Well, good evening, and tonight we're going to talk about the continuation of our story of, of Abram and his relationship with God, and really, I would say the first, you know, uh, first third of Genesis really is this focus on Abram and his relationship with God and God revealing himself to mankind through Abram. And so tonight we're going to talk, just to bring everyone up to speed, remember just a few chapters ago in Abram's time, that was like 20 years ago, just a few chapters ago, Abram, as already an old man who had no children, has been promised by God an everlasting covenant. Really, from, from what he has heard, really there's nothing for Abram to do except to receive it. He has received a promise from God that really up until now hasn't required much of anything of Abram except to trust God. And God has just kind of selected Abram and said, guess what? I am going to bless you, your descendants, and the entire world, in fact, through you, through a covenant that I'm going to give to you. And because Abram, being childless, and of course we talked about how in the antiquity that was a very big deal, um, when people did not have offspring, that was not only a cultural curse or cultural shaming, but it was also financial as well. When you die, you need to pass your inheritance, your land, your servants, your property off to somebody. And you wanted to do that through a male heir. Abram doesn't have any of that. He's got servants. He's probably very rich uh, from reading the text. He has a nephew, Lot. He has a wife, Sarai, but he doesn't have a son. And remember, about 75 years of age, God comes to him and says, I'm going to bless you by a seed. And this is the Hebrew. You're going to have your seed which means offspring, means you're going to have a son and you're going to have children. And so that was when he was 75. Now remember, he's gone through this whole period now, and he still has not had any children yet. Tonight we're going to pick that up in chapter 16 and find out what happens when human beings get impatient. So if someone would like to read Genesis chapter 16, the entire thing, 1 through 16, who would like to do that for me? Uh, now, Sari... Um, Abraham's wife had borne him no children. She had a female Egyptian servant <clears throat> whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said to Abraham, Behold now, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my servant. It may <clears throat> be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. So after Abram lived ten years in the land of Canaan, Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abram, her husband, as a wife. <clears throat> and he went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. And Sarai said to Abram, May the wrong done to me be on you. I gave my servant to your embrace, and when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. May the Lord judge between you and me. But Abram said to Sarai, Behold, your servant is in your power. Do to her as you please. Then Sarai dealt harshly with her, and she fled from her. <clears throat> the angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, the spring on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? She said, I am fleeing from my mistress, Sarai. The angel of the Lord said to her, <clears throat> return to your mistress and submit to her. 
The angel of the Lord also said to her, I will surely multiply your offspring so that they cannot be numbered for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are pregnant and shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has listened to your affliction. He shall be a wild donkey of a man, his hand against everyone, and everyone's hand against him. And he shall dwell over against all his kinsmen. So she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, You are a God of seeing. For she said, Truly here I have seen him who looks after me. Therefore the well was called Beer Lahai Roy. It lies between Kadesh and Bered. <clears throat> and Hagar <clears throat> bore Abram a son. And Abram called the son of the, called the name of his son whom Hagar bore Ishmael. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abram. So you know what I'm going to ask you. What am I going to ask you? What's the point or points? <laughs> Not being patient, uh, they caused a lot of problems. Yes. Every time so far. There you go. And so now this is causing a lot of contempt and hostility, and looks like it's going to cause a uh, lifetime of that. Yes. Yes. Lack of patience results in issues. <laughs> what else? So that God told him what he was going to do, yeah. um, but somehow there was unbelief or yeah. because of the time mm-hmm. duration maybe. Now could you blame him? I mean, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. He was 75, now he's 85, right? Yeah. And Sarah's never had a baby. She still hasn't conceived. Yeah. So they thought that God needed some help. So that's that's it, isn't it? And God never told him how he was right. covered, so maybe he thought, oh, well, this is how he's going to do it. But, you know? th- and that is a great point, actually. Um, sometimes, though, I would, I would argue most of the time, God does not reveal to us the how. He reveals the what. And the why. I think if you're intuitive and you pray, you'll know the why. But not the how. What... And I say this too, the absence of evidence is not evidence of absence, but I think in this case it is. What is lacking from the beginning of chapter 16? The prayer asking God. Yes! There is no evidence that Abram, when confronted with this issue, now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, and she had an Egyptian maidservant named Hagar. So she said to Abram, The Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my maidservant. Perhaps I can build a family through her. And nowhere do we see that Sarai asked God if this was a good idea. And nowhere do we see if Abram asked God if this was a good idea. When, and we'll see this later, it's not until after they have acted on their own do they seek God's counsel. And that's not even until, essentially, uh, 
you know, for, for Hagar, it's the end of 16, and for Abram and Sarah, it's not even until 17. This is the crux of it. God doesn't always tell us the how, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't ask him. Yes, you might have a role to play, and probably you do have a role to play in the fulfillment of God's promises to you. It's not always you have to just sit waiting for them. There is a role that we all play in this, in this you know, existence that we call life. But there's a complete lack of talking to God here, and I think that is glaring. And this is going to be really important at the end of 17. We're going to come back to this point about God wants us to talk to him. <clears throat> Now, it is possible that they could have talked to him and received no answer. I'm not going to argue with you on that. However, what does the evidence of the text say? When people go to God in the Old Testament, he responds. When people go to God and ask him for his direction in the Old Testament, he responds. It doesn't necessarily mean he responds right away. It doesn't necessarily mean he responds in the way we expect or ask or want. But he responds. Yes. Because, yeah. Yeah, just. How so? How do you see that? The, the wife has an idea. Yeah. And the husband just goes along yeah. with it without talking to Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. Now, not, you know, putting, you know, blame on women again or anything like that. I think you could look at this uh, from the perspective of one of the this, you know, members of a spouse, of a marriage, have an idea and the other one just goes along with it. Yes. There seems to be, I don't know, complicity. I don't know. The doctor has to tell me how to spell it. Complicence? Complicence? Is that even a word? Complacent? Complacence. Complacence. <laughs> sure. We'll put those. Uh, you know, they're okay with it. Uh, thanks. kind of gave up his headship. I mean, she just said, do this, and he just kind of went along with it. That's a good point. And I think in both instances with this and the Garden of Eden, the, the man wants like, yes. that result. Yes. So that's why they go along with it. Like, of Adam course. wanted to be like a god, and that's why he ate the fruit. Yeah. And Abram's heart's desire was to have a descendant. He wanted a son, and so... Okay, I'll sleep with her. Okay, fine. Yeah, no, there was none of that. No. Yeah, it was, it was, yeah. Okay. That's it. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> yes, yes. Abram relinquishes his leadership, his role... Uh, 100%. I understand that. Because he knows God more than Sarai does. I would say God that's fair. Yeah. I would I would say that's fair. What happens? And he's also... Well, this whole thing, it's very weird for us to read because yes. it's very... Not... It's foreign to us yeah. in our culture. We yes. don't have slaves, you know. And, you know... Sarah starts complaining to Abram, and then he's like, oh, well, she, basically, she's your property, so you can do whatever you want. And, you know. So, in it, yep. He's changed his tune from, yeah. I really, really wanted a son, so yeah, I'll do what you mm-hmm. say, and now, oh, this is causing me trouble, so yeah, you can do whatever you want. <laughs> yep. The other thing was, the whole thing shouldn't have happened because he shouldn't have gone back to Egypt in the first place, right? He was supposed to be. Boy, that's a good point, actually. I haven't really thought of it that way, Craig, but I think that's a, that's a fair point. He sinned against God. There was a famine, but he didn't have faith. He didn't stay where he was supposed to stay. He ran to Egypt. I think this is yeah. a good point. <laughs> I hadn't thought of that before. Sin has caused its chain reaction again, 10 years later, 20 years later, right? 
Uh, yeah, agreed. What is, what is barrenness in antiquity? This is weird for us, like Laura said. There's roughly four different ways if you were in this situation in 2000 BC, how you would resolve it. The first is divorce. While never endorsed in the Old Testament, it is specifically forbidden in Deuteronomy. God hates divorce. There's no doubt about that. The second is to adopt. I think that's what he was going to do a couple chapters earlier with his servant. He was going to, he was going to adopt his servant. And Eleazar <clears throat> to take on uh, someone who would who would take on his name. The third is polygamy. <clears throat> Again, this is not endorsed in any. Maybe that's the Deuteronomy reference. There is this is not again not endorsed by God in in the Old Testament. It happened. It happened, and and it was something he was not happy with. And and of course, is this is more for if you're a, a king, concubines. You would just have a harem of women ready to bear your children. In no case does it seem any of these were what God wanted for Abram. So, again, even in the culture of the period, Abram knows. Abram should know. If God is promising you something, he could have done any of this immediately. I mean, let's be honest. The night that God came to Abram and said, I'm going to bless you, with descendants, he could have he could have slowly turned over and looked at Sarah and be like, "Well, then she's out of here, right? Let's go find someone." The fact that he waited from the year of seventy fifth year to his eighty fifth year, what does that tell you? Yes. And that he trusts that God will yeah. do it. Yeah, I think and that's he fair. Moved from a place to a place he didn't even know because God told him to. So I think that's fair. That would probably be easier. I think it's fair. He still has some faith. He's got some faith. He waited 10 years, and he's 85, and this is happening. So there is something still in Abram, although he slips up here. We talk about the angel of the Lord. I think it's good to also pause here and just make this clear. When an angel, first of all, an angel is a fancy way of saying what? Messenger. Messenger. When a messenger of God called an angel comes to you, for all intents and purposes, you should... Read that scripture and interpret that passage as if God were saying that. I want you to think about that. It makes it clear in the Old Testament that if you were to see God face to face, you would die. When references are made in the Old Testament that the Hebrews went up and saw the God of Israel, they didn't see his face. They saw his apparition, his manifestation through fire and lightning, maybe his feet or his hand. If you see God in his face and his full being, you will die as a human being. We cannot see him. So to communicate with mankind, in the Old Testament, he sent angels. In the New Testament, he sent who? Well, angels, but also the Holy Spirit. Yes, the Holy Spirit and his son Jesus as the word, as the word. So when you read a passage that says, an angel came and said this, I want you to just kind of just think from it. It's the Lord saying this, okay? It's very clear here. When an angel of the Lord found Hagar, he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where have you gone? That's God saying that through a messenger. Go back to your mistress and submit to her. That's not an angel saying that. That's God saying that. When the angel said, I will increase your descendants, that they will be too numerous to count, that's not the angel saying that, folks. (laughs) That's not Gabriel or 
uh, or Michael saying, hey, guess what? I'm going to give you a lot of dissent. That's not. It's God Almighty saying that through a messenger who's essentially just a vessel. How interesting is this passage of the Lord speaking to Hagar? How, what do you take from that? That God provides. Yeah. And he loves. Yes. He loves even those who don't have any faith. Yes. Yes. Uh, Christ died for us even while we were enemies. Yes. Against him. Yes. I think you could say God has not, there's no evidence that God has spoken to Sarah yet, but he does speak to Hagar. Up until now, Hagar was, Hagar is an Egyptian maidservant. She is not a Hebrew. She came from a pagan culture. She's a servant. She's essentially just someone to make babies with. And yet, God himself speaks to Hagar and doesn't rebuke her. He could have rebuked her. He could have said, you're nobody, you're worthless, and your son is worthless. Get out of my sight. What does he do? He will be hostile to others. Okay, this is my point. God is making a promise here, and I think the, the, the covenant is this. He will not be a servant of anyone. I think when, when God makes this promise, his hand will be against those, I think what Sarah or I think what Hagar realizes in that moment, and what I take from this text reading it is, he is making a covenant with her, saying, just because you were a slave of this guy Abram doesn't mean that Ishmael and all of his offspring will be slaves of Abram's descendants. In effect, he's saying, yeah, he's going to be hostile to Abram's descendants, but he's also going to be his own race, his own man. And just because you're his slave, He's not going to be enslaved and indentured to him for all eternity. I think that is a promise. I think that is a promise, and it's a great one. It also shows God how he takes our mistakes and he can use them for his purpose. Here we go. Mm-hmm. He uses all events for his glory. This is so important. I love this. What man meant for evil, God meant for good. That is the, what Joseph said when he confronted his brothers who wanted to sell him to slavery or kill him. They meant evil, but God turned that around and used it for a divine purpose and ended up saving the entire Hebrew race, actually. I love this. Hey, you know what? There's another way to say this. You can't screw up God's plan. No matter how wrongly we act, no matter how badly we screw things up, we can't screw up the kingdom. You can't. Jim Baker could not screw up the... I'm using this example. Jim Baker could not screw up the kingdom. He just couldn't. Adolf Hitler couldn't screw up the kingdom. Okay? Nero could not screw up God's plan. In fact, God is sovereign. Praise the Lord. And he can use any, any event and any act on our part for good. And I love that. I love that about this. That's great. Yeah, he provided for her, for Hagar, even though she didn't know that at all. Yeah. But she knew him after that. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? She gave the name to God, the God who sees me. I love that. How awesome is that? What does that tell you about Hagar's heart? Because, you know, she's coming from Egypt. Yep. And like we were talking before... You know, pagan gods don't care about you. They don't see you. Yeah. You're in. You're an ant. Yeah. You know, 
And so she recognizes that this God is different. I love that. I love this. The well of the living one who sees me. Bir Lahairoi. Well of the living one who sees me. I love this. That's a great one. Okay. Let's go to the next one. This is the uncomfortable chapter. <laughs> who would like to read? When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to a- Abraham and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you, and may multiply you greatly. Then Abraham fell on his face, and God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abraham, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And God said to Abraham, As for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your offspring after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised. Every male throughout your generations, whether born in your house or bought with your money from any foreigner who is not of your offspring, both he who is born in your house and he who is bought with your money shall surely be circumcised. So shall my covenant be in your flesh an everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised male who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. And God said to Abraham, As for Sarai your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall become nations. Kings of peoples shall come from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to him, Shall a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? Shall Sarah, who is ninety years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. God said, No, but Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. As for Ishmael, I have heard you. you. Behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and multiply him greatly. He shall father twelve princes, and I will make him into a great nation. But I will establish my covenant with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this time next year. When he had finished talking with God, with him, God went up from Abraham. 
Then Abraham took Ishmael his son and all those born in his house or brought or bought with his money every male among the men of Abram's house and he circumcised the flesh of their foreskins that very day as God had said to him Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin and Ishmael his son was 13 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin that very day Abraham and his son Ishmael were circumcised and all the men of his house those born in the house and those bought with money from a foreigner were circumcised with him. What do you take from this passage? Well, he spent 13 years, well, 86 to 99. So yeah, 13 mm-hmm. years since Ishmael's born. Mm-hmm. And he hasn't done anything <laughs> foolish like Ishmael again, so that's good. <laughs> yep. So he started at 75, was promised children, Made it all the way to 85 before he took matters into his own hands. And at 99, he's still waiting. So this is a long time. God reaffirms his covenant. Yes. Yes. Yep. And he he changed his name to Abraham, father of many nations. I love that. Yep. He promised him land, uh, descendants who would become kings, and yes. an everlasting covenant. Yep. But yep. He specified that I would be God to you and to your offspring. Yes, so that's good. Somewhat conditional for those who would reject God. Yes. I think uh, that, and there's examples of that that would come. Yep. That those who would reject God would reject the covenant. Conditional. Here we have what is essentially, the, in a way, the first conditional covenant now. And it's important to remember that it's conditional, it's conditional in the sense of belonging to a community. There's no evidence that God is not going to come through on his promise to make a great nation out of Abram's offspring. That seems to be a promise that is a promise no matter what. There seems to be no condition about inheriting the land of Canaan. That seems to also be an unconditional promise. What is the condition here seems to be an individual belonging to the community of God's chosen people. That is conditional on this act of circumcision. Why? It was the external evidence of their... Okay. 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 All the descendants would be having circumcision as well as the slaves who were in his household or anyone who was. Ah, yes. That is true. This is for everyone in the community, not just the Hebrews, but the slaves as well. Mm-hmm. It's got to be very difficult to convince your entire 
house yep. I don't know about you. This is not like piercing your ear. <laughs> uh, and you're, you're a grown-up, right? And this is happening. This is not a fun thing to go through. I have to say, I have thankfulness that it was done at a young age, so I have no memory. Amen, brother. Uh, yeah, can we get an amen? Uh, yeah, two days old. Woo. There's multiple hygienic reasons for it, too. Mm. Mm. Okay. You know, ah. Okay. This is... So our physical benefits. Um, <clears throat> this is not a practice that originated with the Hebrews. This is actually a practice that originated from time to time in Egypt. But the Egyptians never did it as, as babies. It was always done as something as in an adult. And with the Egyptians, it was it was more associated with fertility cults and reproductive uh, aspects of their religion. It was not something their Egyptians did wholeheartedly. And in fact, at some point, the Egyptians come to hate it and see the Hebrews as less than them because they do it. So this is, this is something that, again, not practiced widely, but this becomes now, so in this case, it is unique. No culture on earth, as far as we know, at this period, made this a practice expected of all males in their society. I think Hebrew, his, uh, his faith is waning a little bit because he laughs yeah. what God says. Yeah. You know, I'm changing your name, and he says, I'm changing Sarah's name. Yeah. And he laughs and says, Can yeah. a man have a child when he's 100 years old? How can you blame him? And again, we all look at with 2020 and say, Well, Abram, slap. What's wrong with you? He's 99 years old. You said your stepmom's grandma is 97? Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. So she's two years younger than that. <laughs> Think about that. But, but what does God... Yeah. shows his commitment once. Yeah. He is, his faith is whatever, you know, kind of restored, I guess. To a certain extent, I mean, it shows his commitment to God. Yeah. What happens when when Abraham laughs at God? Does God smite him with lightning or yell at him or rebuke him? What does he say? He says, no, she will have a son. And I like that he says he will name him Isaac because Isaac means laughter. Yeah. So he's going to name him after her. He incorporates the imperfection into the blessing. Into the mm-hmm. Isn't that awesome? What does that tell you about your your heavenly Father? And I want to make this too. Yeah. He understands that it is very. It's like if somebody told a woman today she would have a baby at ninety. Yeah. We would be like, you're out of your mind. And it's he's heard this promise from God for twenty four years, and so you know you're kind of like, okay, you keep saying it, and I believe you partly, you know, but. Mm -hmm. I don't understand it, right? Like, I can believe something but not understand it, so it seems impossible, right? What does he say when Abraham goes, look, you already have Ishmael. He's here. Why don't you put him under your blessing? Now, I want you to think about this for a minute. Because in a way, this is kind of like saying to God, I want you to change how you're going to do this and make him the one. 
in a way, he's like, you've already got Ishmael, just let him be the one. And you have to think, after 13 years, he probably has a connection with this boy, right? He probably was raising him thinking, well, is this going to be the one? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. He's a part of my family. Right now, he is my offspring. Ishmael is his only legitimate son. And he says to God, yes, but couldn't you make Ishmael? What does God say? Verse 20, this is really, as for Ishmael, I have heard you. I have heard you. And I will surely bless him. How awesome is that? Now, he doesn't get the, the covenant promise, but he does get a blessing directly from God because, as we read the text, Abraham asked for it. That's pretty cool. I will make him fruitful. Yeah, go ahead. In the natural, just, it's impossible to, you know, to think, you know, 99 and yeah. nine, you know. Yeah. So, you know, that God is very patient. With yes. God and, you know, Abraham is having unbelief because he's based in the natural world. And, yeah. And uh, God is very patient. Yeah. Outlines what's going to happen. Yeah. You know, and he tells him that. Isaac will inherit the blessings, and yeah. Ishmael will not. Mm-hmm. Ishmael will inherit some blessings, but not in the covenant. Yeah. So, you know, he gets plenty of blessings. So. There's a lot to go around, isn't there? Yes. And that is awesome. And, yeah. It's had to yeah. wait like 25 years to find out the how. So, the here's the application. What does that mean for us? As hard as that question is to ask. For God, one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like one day. That's it. That's he's it. T- he's beyond mm-hmm. the dimension of time. Mm-hmm. He's, mm-hmm. he's patient with us. Gosh, it's hard to deal with that, isn't it? <laughs> it's hard to deal with that. But when? When? I like this. I think God finally realizes, okay, I got to give this guy something. Because he finally tells him in verse 21, okay, don't worry, it's going to be Sarah, and it'll be next year. Oh, okay, thank you. <laughs> After 24 years, he finally has the when. It took 24 years, but don't, don't forget, he waited 24 years believing and trusting at some level. At some level, not perfectly. It's all on God's timing. It is. It really is. Well, what what other comments, questions do we have here? Well, and all those who would not participate in the covenant, mm-hmm. external evidence would be cut off. Would be help. I think God's like someone's getting something's getting cut off. I hate to say it that way, but <clears throat> something's getting cut off. It's either that or you. So, and and I will say, I think, as far as I know, of all of the things the Hebrews <laughs> didn't follow, as far as I know, this was the thing they kept. This is the thing they kept. I don't believe there's, except for, and I'll say this too. This is the glaring difference: the Hellenistic period. As far as I know, the Jews. For the next, what is this, 2000 BC? For the next 18, 1900 years, kept this, they kept this. And this was a sign that you were part of that Hebrew Jewish community. It was only until you get to the Greek period 
of Israel's history around 200 BC that this starts to stop being a thing because the Greeks did not believe in this and they believed in exercising in the nude and all kinds of other weird things. And it's only at that period that, that the Jewish nation splits and there's, there's the, you know, the liberals who believe that you don't have to be circumcised or follow any of the other laws. And then the Orthodox Jews who continue to follow it, but up until then, they followed it. So I think you have to say that says something about their culture. Well, that's all I had prepared. I don't really want to get into Sodom and Gomorrah tonight. I think that's its own thing. So what we might do is just kind of call it good there. Any final thoughts, action items that we can take from this? Well, and it's kind of been said, it's not an action item, but I was just, yeah. I keep dwelling on the fact that so Adam, Abram, and Sarai took this into their own hands. Yeah. You know, they had Ishmael. and then, But God was so, wasn't a part of God's plan, but yet God just still blessed Ishmael, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. provided for him. He has his whole line, yeah. whole nation. You know, and I just keep reflecting on that. Like, Mm. they really messed up, but yet it wasn't Ishmael's fault. Right. And they just were able to, he still blessed Ishmael. Yeah. So. Yeah. That is awesome. I was thinking about when God is talking to um, Hagar, you know, it reminded me of, um, you know, when God or well, when the angel tells Mary that she's gonna have Jesus. Mm-hmm. And like, because you're you're saying that you're there's like a blessing in there, but then there's also like, he's gonna have like trouble his whole life. He's gonna yeah. be fighting his right. brothers. And like, that's yeah. what the angel told Mary is that he will cause like the rise mm-hmm. and fall of many of Israel mm-hmm. and all these things that are like, well, this is amazing. I'm mm-hmm. giving birth to Messiah, but also mm-hmm. I know I'm going to have a lot of sadness and pain mm-hmm. from this too. And mm-hmm. I'm just thinking about how Hagar's probably like, this mm-hmm. is good, but it's also bad probably. A ah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Because as parents, we don't want our children to struggle. Right. We just, <laughs> you know, it's just not how you want to That's timely. <coughs> uh, yeah. So they received God's blessings, but there was a lot of strife that happened yeah. with the Hagar, mm-hmm. you know, her child. She immediately mm-hmm. had contempt for Sarah. Yeah. And a lot of you know difficulties in the household. You know, yeah. in other words, you know, don't do this. That's a weird Thanksgiving, isn't it? Oh my goodness. Yeah. I think that leads to the take home mm-hmm. of when you're facing a big decision, definitely, well, any decision, yeah. really, you should seek out God's there you <laughs> counsel go. first. And don't be surprised if you don't hear anything right away either, because that doesn't necessarily mean that he doesn't have an answer. I think we get, you know, okay, God, what do you want me to do? Not, I don't hear anything. Okay, I'll just go do my own thing, right? It's Sometimes no answer means don't do anything. Sometimes it does. I don't hear any clear signs. I'm not getting any clear direction. Maybe that means just keep doing what you're doing. Don't mess with it. Don't mess with it. Yeah. Now, that's fair, right? We used to have this thing called letters, and you'd write, and you'd have to wait for a response, right? 
Now you just call someone or write an email and you get an instant answer. And I think we get spoiled on that as human beings. That we get frustrated when we don't receive a text back in five minutes. Right? Yeah. Well, obviously they hate me because I just sent the text. You just sent the text. Nothing. And we know because they got the three little dots. <laughs> Delivered. Yeah. I, I do find it interesting, I guess, that you know you can screw up a lot, and God's still going to use it for His glory. Yes. But there is a point where God says, "If you turn your back on me, you're going to be cut off." You know, that, that this is your choice. Mm. And so I think that you know we can screw up a lot, is but you know, there is. You know, we can screw up to the point where we completely turn our back on God and, and mm -hmm. there, you can't come back from that. And I think that's kind of the, maybe the point of the circumcision mm. um, aspect is but you have to have faith in me and you have to show that you mm -hmm. have faith in me. For, mm -hmm. you know. and, okay. And there's probably always a, maybe a way back, but once you've completely turned your back on God, I, I don't know. I'll say this two things. I think in the era of grace, which is the era of Jesus, there is a point at which you can turn your back and there is no turning back. I think that's death. I think that for the most part, God says you've got your living days to change. And praise the Lord, we just had someone go through our membership class who was 85 who was baptized this past spring. There really is. You have until you die. But... You only have until you die. And for those who think you can pray for the dead or that there's a place called purgatory and you can change your mind, that is not biblical. Once you're dead, that's all you have. And some of us don't know what day that is. We all know there are people who leave this earth much younger than 85. The second thing, I think, is this idea, what you said, I like that, Mike, the external evidence that you're part of this community. What is that for a Christian? Well, baptism. baptism. That's it. That's it. For you as a believer in Jesus, that external evidence is baptism. Again, getting circumcised did not make you a Jew any more than getting baptized makes you a saved believer. They're both just the first act of obedience after you do something. In the case of baptism, the first act of obedience after you're saved as an external demonstration to show, I'm a member of this community. Is the same for the, the circumcision. You, yes, you could become a Jew. You could become a Jew and give your life to Yahweh. Guess what? There's two groups of people who did that. The proselytes and the truly converted. The proselytes were the people, and there's, there's evidence of this in the, in the Bible as well as history, who would, they would go to temple on the Sabbath. They would observe the Jewish holy rites, the sacrifices, the pilgrimages, but they refused to be circumcised. And for those people, they were called proselytes. If you became, if you did all of that stuff and committed yourself to Yahweh and you became circumcised, then you were a member of the community. But again, that was because you had chosen to become part of it. So this is all the same thing, I think, is what we're saying. I agree with you, Mike. I think this is all kind of parallel. So, okay. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next week.